My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is it. The time has come. Saturday night's all right for fighting. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Gareth A. Davies. You're better than that! On Talk Sport. You're listening to Fight Night on Talk Sport with me, Gareth A. Davis. Joining me this week in the studio is the Welsh boxer Barry Jones, the former WBO super featherweight champion and we had a fantastic time we began this week's show by talking about the retirement of former unified world champion and olympic silver medalist amir khan finally he'd hung up the gloves with a record of 34 wins and six losses Last week we spoke about the retirement of Cal Brook. We had him on the show last week. I did interview him the night before. He, he said, you know, his heart wasn't in it anymore. Amir Khan comes out yesterday, short statement, thanking everyone, um, and his career's over. Uh, what's your feelings about Amir announcing that now? I'm happy. I'm more than happy. The, my biggest fear. I, I had I have said publicly actually that anyone involved in in Amir Khan's next fight should be ashamed of themselves, including not including him. Because as a fighter, you don't think it's enough. But he'd shown in, in his last fight and vulnerability actually throughout his career, even when he was good. But in the in the last stage of his career, that maybe he hadn't quite got, wasn't the fight that he once was. And I, I certainly against Cal Brook, even though Cal Brook looked good, it was more to do with how bad Amir Khan looked. And, and I think he knew enough was enough. And I'm glad he's finished because he's had a fantastic career. I mean, that kid's been famous since he was 17. This, no, that's that's a lot of pressure for anybody, but for, for a child, and he was a child. Oh, I know, I, I knew him really well then. I tell you, you know, the great thing about him for me is um, he's been a star from being a teenage um, silver medalist at the 2004 Olympic Games to becoming a unified world champion. And remember, he challenged at welterweight and middleweight for the world titles again. For me as well, what he did brilliantly, and I can't remember another one in my lifetime, he was the first British Pakistani Muslim to represent that community and 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 and, and make a bigger resonance for, for his people. And there, there are, well, I think it's 10 million Muslims in the country. Uh, 
There are many, many people from that area of the world who, who are immigrants here, who've settled here. I think he did a lot for that group. And there's a, I've got a quote from one of my interviews um, from him. I've done inter so many interviews. I look back over my interviews on Friday for my piece in The Telegraph, and here's a great quote from him. He's lived a very public life. He said, you get hate the day you become famous. Um, the day you don't get hate, you're finished. I've been getting hate from the day I made it into the newspapers for the first time. The day I won the Olympic medal, it started. I never let it get to me, and I never think it's a religious or a colour thing. I just go with the flow. Because if you go to any of my fights, most of the people who buy tickets for me are British, white, and fans. And I love that about Amir, that he talks like that. But do you know what? I never took to him straight away. I, why wouldn't I? Because everything about him is likable. He's a lovely he guy. He's a lovely guy. But I mean, I forget about him as a person. Just I'm not only interested in his boxing ability. Yeah. But his style is what I like. He's a boxer who can punch a bit as well, you know. And everything. But I couldn't take to him. And I don't know what it was. And maybe that's what it was. And that's that. That's nothing to do with with, with his religion, his race, or anything about that at all. It was just I couldn't do. I, I couldn't put my Fair finger enough. on it. But I, I that changed pretty quickly. I just seen the vulnerabilities. Now, when Willie Lamont yeah. put Willie Lamont was a really good boxer, but domestically, and he put him down. And then obviously, you know, Michael Gomez and and you know, and no, it's the Brady's press the, well, when he no, ran to the middle of the ring. No, but, wasn't be, it? but before oh, then, but before Gomez, then, yeah. I want to say before all those fights, no, he'd shown vulnerabilities. There were vulnerabilities around, and, yeah. And then you think, oh, good, he's, he's going to come and stuck here. And even the like, even even when he had that last amateur fight against Kinderland, no, the, the the one they put on. Which was well, he lost to him in the Olympic final. Yeah, and, and, then and, Frank it, was, Warren and it was just set to make him fun. look good. Yeah, exactly. I think things like that, that were out of his control, made you think, oh, that's, they brought this Cuban over here just to get beat on purpose. Like, whatever happens, he's, he's not winning. And you knew that. And maybe that was the, the thing. But for me, the way he's conducted himself in his career, the way he's, he's, he's gone face first into every challenge makes him one of Britain's greatest boxers. It does. He's not in the top 10 of all time great. But I mean, one of our. Uh, to be in the again, and it wasn't just the Olympics. He won, he won a, a European um, like university or student um, gold medal. Then he won a world junior championship. Then he wins the Olympics. Yeah. Well, so, he was going to fight for Pakistan originally in the Olympics because they said he was too young. You know, the old suits were on the blazers in those days. Yeah. It's a bit different now with with Rob McCracken and the English Institute of Sport and the setup is extraordinary, the best in the world. People say, oh, of you course, know? yeah. Um, but in those times, Amir. Amir Consulted boxing for Pakistan. We almost lost him because they said he was too young. Well, bear in mind, he goes to the Olympics on his own, by the way. Yeah. Like a, like a, little, a child, seven years of age, child, on his own, no other teammates to help him out. And he goes in and he produces that and he, he loses to a Cuban great in the final. No, it was, it, he's had a fantastic career and he's earned, he's earned a, a tank full of money and he deserves every penny of it because he's earned it. He hasn't been given anything, that kid. And and I'm I'm happy he's retired and he needs to, he needs to go out there now and just enjoy his life. He got a lovely family. He's a lovely man and and he, and, he, and I think he'd be involved in other ways in the sport for sure. I think he's elite level offensively, but he was never elite level defensively as a boxer. And I think that's where I, I don't where, think I don't think he was. <laughs> I, I think he was elite. I think uh, he, I think he had he, he wasn't a world champion for ten years, but he was relevant still. No, yeah, no, he, no he's a world class fighter in every in every shape and form. Yeah, and he had he had world or elite. Well, world should mean elite. I, I don't I don't subscribe to this elite stuff. If you're a world champion, okay. you're a world champion. I know being a world champion doesn't make you world class. That's the difference. That's what I would say. Well, I'm that's but what I mean. He's I'm been world class. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I I do think that he had one of the fastest combination punches there's been. Oh, that, totally. that, but it was blind speed. And that's why 
when people talk about Mayweather, you've always beat him because good timing doesn't be good timing doesn't Can't beat speed. Look good for four rounds against. I don't think Mayweather. he would have. I think see, 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 good timing doesn't beat speed. Good timing beats blind speed, and that's what Amir Khan did. He had blind speed. And that's why he got hurt and caught and knocked out in times because he would just commit because he thought that speed would just fluster everybody. And when it didn't, that's when he well, got Marcos hurt. Marcos Maidana. Da- was... Danny Garcia was a perfect example. Yeah, he got well, no, caught throwing. No, but, but, but the, yeah, exactly. But but Marcos Maidana in the fight with Khan had shown that if you punch with Khan, that you had more opportunity. And that's yeah. what Garcia did. The, in that again, fight, again didn't it he? was it was it, it was blind speed. It wasn't it wasn't. Fast, he had fast hands, but it wasn't thought out combinations. But just it wasn't it wasn't educated by him. It was, it was just naturally gifted. God, but he was great to watch and committed. And total fighter going out on a shield, easier pit than me at that. Absolute pleasure covering the career of Amir Khan. Well, next up, uh, a young star making his way in the sport. Twenty-five-year-old Conor Ben joined us. Will it be Jose Ramirez next? We spoke to him. Here's what he had to say. Jose Ramirez, who fought Josh Taylor for the undisputed super lightweight title last year in Las Vegas. Is that a fight that you fancy? Of course it is. Um, You know, Ramirez, Keith Furman, all of them names I want. Uh, You know, it is a shame that there's nothing on the line for the Ramirez fight, considering his last fight was for the undisputed um, unification. Uh, but, you know, I'm confident in my ability to beat all of them. Um, so, you know, it's just leave that with my team and get and leave it with them to get it sorted. Here in the UK, because obviously Eddie Hearn's got loads of events going on in America, but are you expecting it to be here in the summer? Well, I'm here in July the 9th for the O2, but... Oh, is, that know, is that exclusive? It could be later on in the year, but, you know, I'd like to keep it here for the supporters. You know, I fought in London with a crowd for, you know, a good three, four years. That's a very exciting uh, matchup of styles. Barry's nodding his head here at that opponent. He was licking his lips there. It's one that would create a lot of action because Ramirez is an all-action fighter. Yeah, of course he is. And, you know, so am I. You know, I always bring it and, you know, I always deliver. Um, you know, his only loss comes to Taylor. So, you know, those really are the sort of fights I want. And, you know, it's it's my team's job to make these fights materialise. Good, good, good fight at this stage, Barry. Yeah, it's a, well, they're not. The, I think they're not not the problem. The, the problem is also the gift that Connor has is every fighter now in his division, from literally number one to number fifteen, are all quality opposition. Which is, but he's there now. Shark infested waters, basically, well to wait. But he's it? one of the sharks now, and and he is, and he's proved that. Because and forget about who he's beating; it's the way he's beating him, and that's that's the most impressive part. The way he beat Algeria, that could have been anyone in the ring. He, he was he was punch perfect. Used the jab. All the things people said he couldn't do. Couldn't box. He was just aggressive. Couldn't box. Well, he but he he jabbed a guy who's known to have a good jab and a good boxing brain, and he he thought him and he fought him, and I think that's the important part. Now he is ready. People are still saying, but he's only twenty five. He's twenty five. He's ready now, and and it might be a really difficult wait, but the for me the the Jose the Jose fight there for me Ramirez, is a guy who will come at you. Who fights with throws lots of punches and physically strong. As a super lightweight, as a welterweight, still improving yet, and I think that that stylistically is a fantastic fight. Is Barry singing from your hymn sheet? What do you mean? <laughs> well, saying that that basically every every fighter you've got now uh, is is a shark in in that division from one to yeah, fifteen. Yeah, literally every everyone top ten. Um, yeah, you can say top 15 are all dangerous fighters. It's a matter of, uh, you know, inches, centimetres between um, 
you know, all of all of them really, and it really does come down to who, who really gets it right on the night, whose preparation has been better, because as, as of skill and power and speed, accuracy, timing, you know, it all really does play a factor in the waterweight division. Um, but, you know, I've been working hard for the past six years for, you know, to get myself top ranked top five in every governing body, you know, three in the W, um, IBF, three in the WBO and the WBC. So, you know, I'm I'm really there. Do you know what I mean? And, you know, I'm really ready for it, to be honest. So whoever they put in front of me, whether it's July 9th or later on in the year, you know, I'll make sure I'm ready. I thought Chris Van Heerden would give Connor a bigger challenge. No, I didn't, to be honest. No, no. Uh, no, I didn't. I, I, didn't. I, I think that he, it was one of those fights where he was going to get criticised, whatever happened. Yeah. But he did. Everyone expected him to blast him you know up what, there. Barry? But you did you it. Know what, Barry? The, only, the only thing was, was um, he rarely gets stopped and he was a southpaw. Mm. So we did expect him to maybe give me some sort of test in terms of him being south southpaw, but that was the only because all the top world weights in the in the world weight division, the top ones are, are southpaw. Um, so you know, thought you know, we'll get a southpaw in there, and it it just turns out to be an easy night's work. You know, all these past what four or five fights, which. Each of them prevent, presented something different in terms of different challenges. All have been my easiest night's work. I had harder fights early on in my career. Yeah. Mm, you know, so it's like how they how they try they're trying to gauge it, whereas I'm saying, Listen, I'm ready for X, Y, Z, so let's make these fights happen. Do you know what I mean? I'm now top five for a reason. Um, you know, and I, I believe I need to be fighting people in the top ten. No, you do. And for me, the most important thing for your career is how busy you've been. And I think for, yeah. for at your age and the momentum you have right now, staying busy is so yeah. is so important for you. And and you're doing that. And I I go back to the Algeria fight. Cause I thought that for me was a, a that you no know, people would always say oh, Algeria was past his best and blah 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 all that sort of stuff. But that was irrelevant to me. The performance that you that you put on that night, Do you know what Barry was does? perfect. Do you know what Barry? People say oh yeah they're past it they're past it they're past it until they're not past it. Yeah of course. Do you know what I mean? What about um, Kiko Martinez? What about, um, you know, when he was, everyone was saying, no, oh, he's past it. You listen, know, what, listen, about when, Joe what about when Mayweather beat Pacquiao and he was past it and listen. then he come back and absolutely smashed everyone up? Joe Kazaki so, you know, beat Bernard Hopkins and then, and then Hopkins went on to beat, you know, to beat, to beat a load of fighters. That's what I'm saying. So they're past it till they're not past it. But what I'm saying is, is I'm not going to listen to the public and think my opponents are past it and then maybe lacking training and then, you know, have that upset that loads of fighters get because they listen to the public or, you know, they think they're in for an easy, nice work. I don't train like that. I train as if Van Herden could bring me the world of trouble. I, I train as if he, he could, you know, be my world title fight, which he is, you know. And I go out there and I keep telling everyone, I, I, it's not like I'm saying he's a world-beat. I'm going in there to, to show what he is. You know, I ain't going to have tune-up fights and, you know, have hard nights work for him. I want, I want to show that they're tune-up fights. Can I ask you, you're going to be watching um, one of your rivals in the division, uh, Yaron Ennis, 28-0, 26 KOs against, uh, up against Custio Clayton on the undercard of Jamel Charlo and Brian Castaño 2 tonight in Carson, California. you be up watching that or not? What time is it on? Oh, well, it'll be late, won't it? It'll be about 4 or 5 in the morning. But it's, but it's free on YouTube. But free on YouTube. <laughs> set the alarm set the alarm watch oh, the no, fight go I, for I an early morning run you know come I didn't on even do, I didn't even do that for the Canelo fight <laughs> did you watch I it did I did watch it yeah what do you, think? Do you know what did you think? So I think Craig I'm commentating on that that day so I think Craig just really needs to take a lot of confidence 
from from that. Do you know what I mean? I, I think Bivol just really stuck to it, stuck to his guns and done what he needed to do. You know, he done it. Yeah, he done what he needed to do, and he just really showed discipline. And you could really tell what a disciplined fighter he was um, in sticking to the game plan and the strategy. Um, look, um, before we let you go tonight, I expect you to watch that fight early in the morning and go for a run, though. Come on, Connor. You slave. <laughs> listen, I'm, listen, I'm just You're about enjoying to by the pool back. too much. You probably had a barbecue and a bit too much in you today, uh, didn't you? <laughs> I had some fish and chips, though, earlier as it happened. Were you down on the seafront? I wasn't. No, no, I wasn't. I was just chilling at home. Do you remember that day in lockdown when I bumped into you in Victoria and um, in Southend uh, on sea? What, and I had the Rossi ice cream in my hand. You did. You did. <laughs> I did, but I just finished the run, though, so, you know, I burnt it off. <laughs> you did, indeed. Look, um, uh, a week ago, I spoke to Cal Brook and he retired when I interviewed him. Uh, Amir Khan retired yesterday. What's your thoughts on their retirement? Did you retire them, do you think? <laughs> no. Listen, uh, I, listen, I was the only fight there for them both yeah, if they yeah. did want to fight. Correct. But, you know... Yeah, people saying, oh, they're ducking me and all that. And they're not ducking me. Are they duck Maybe they don't want to fight me, yeah, but they're not ducking me. Do you know what I mean? So I'm not going to go around and claim, like, oh, yeah, no, nah, they're ducking me. It's not nothing like that. But would they want to fight me now? They have everything to to lose and not really much to gain. Mm. Um, you know, so listen, they've achieved everything they wanted to in a sport of boxing. Every young fighter can dream of achieving. So listen, take my hats off to them. And, um, you know, they're the best of, of this era in terms of, of their era of uh, British worldweight boxing. Yeah, kind words and, and the best words. And I think they've both gone out at the right time. And it's always Agreed. good to see um, two guys get the fight they both wanted, or maybe Kel wanted it more than Amir. Amir yeah. showing very little left. Well, he's got heart, cojones, stamina, all those things, but no legs. And that's the sign, yeah. isn't it? And the irony, we couldn't get them two together. Then they left together. Yeah, and then they leave together. They fight, they leave together. Yeah. The, the well, symmetry is well, amazing. When I spoke to Cal a week ago, and we heard it on Fight Night last week, Cal rang me and said, "Look, I'm going to retire. Do you want to do a piece?" And that was before we went to New York. And he and he said, "Look, my heart's not in it anymore, Baby. You know, and, and that's it. And if your heart's not in it, <laughs> he doesn't it, talk it, like that. But that's no, but he doesn't. He's he, he's not from <laughs> Glasgow. No, but the, but the funny thing is, as once it's twelve weeks since that fight. Eleven weeks when he made the decision. Twelve weeks when he made when Amir made the decision. Do you think, though, final one, Connor, that maybe Kel retiring made Amir think about it as well? I, I don't know because how would it come? How would it be if Amir Khan got knocked out again? You know, via me, and it's just that one fight too many. I just you think know, Amir might have. If Cal had offered him a rematch, yeah. I think he might have stayed. That's all I'm. No, nah, no, nah, I don't think. I, I don't think so. I think he, there's loads of injuries um, yeah, going yeah. on throughout his training camp as well as, um, you know, after obviously and during the fight he had he had injuries. So, um, you know, I don't think there was any way he could even see for a training camp, even if he wanted to. I'm I'm happier that can retire, yeah, than, but yeah. I think Brook. No, I think he's he's he's, he's had his day, but I think could, there was one more fight left in him. Yeah, there wasn't in Cannes, mm. and that's the winner. Yeah. But I didn't want to see Connor beat Car, uh, beat Cal Brook up either. He's not, a fan, he's not a fan, Con. I want you to see you beat everyone. Yeah, but, I, want, well, I want to see you beat everyone. Gareth well, doesn't want to see well, you win. When Connor was working the broadcast <laughs> with us on Carl Brook, I said before the fight that I thought Connor would probably beat Cal in six, but then. After the fight, I had to wind Connor up by telling him I think Cal beats him at the moment. And Connor was nearly up and into the... Uh, into Gareth, the... do you know what? I mean, you can get away with it. <laughs>
Well, our thanks to Conor Ben there for joining us on the show this week, and we look forward to his next fight, whoever it's going to be. Well, last week, of course, Saul Canelo Alvarez de Jalisco, Tijuana, Mexico, lost in his bid to win the WBA light heavyweight title against Russian champion Dmitry Bivol. Barry and I picked over the bones of that fight and what Bivol did right and what Canelo did wrong. How good was Dmitry Bivol last weekend to beat Saul Canelo Alvarez, to hand him only a second defeat in, in, in his 62 fights, um, a guy that is widely considered number one pound for pound in the world. Maybe that's changed this week. We'll discuss that in a minute. Ring Magazine have got him up four or five now or six, I think. Um, and and who commands $50 million a fight. Um, how good did Bivol have to be last weekend to stop this guy who's come up from light middleweight... Yeah. With world titles all the way up to light heavyweight. Yeah, well, well originally he was a welterweight, wasn't he? Before he, he was a welterweight. Was... I saw his first fight in Vegas. Miguel Cotto's brother. Yeah, Jose Cotto. He, he, he got wobbled. He got a hurt, guy didn't called, he? Um, um, I can't remember his, his, his Don 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 Don. I can't remember his promoter, an old promoter from from um, from California who discovered him. Don Chargin, who's dead now. Do you remember okay. John Chargin? No, I do not know. An amazing guy. He discovered him for Golden Boy. He saw him as a fourteen-year-old dipping and throwing that left hook to the body that he throws so brilliantly, yeah. the, the cinnamon one. And um, he said, go and watch this red-haired kid. He's Mexican. He looks Irish. Yeah. Um, and I went to see him. It was on the undercard of Mayweather and someone, or Pacquiao yeah, and someone. There, yeah. We were there. You were there as well. Yeah. I went to see him as a one man and his dog at that mm -hmm. time in the MGM. And that about smattering of crowd. He got hit by about 15 right crosses in the first round. Yeah, he did, yeah. But he came back to stop Cotto in about the 10th round or he, something. He, he was vulnerable. But he, but he, was, learning, he, was, a, he was a boy and yeah. he was learning his trade. And he has been one of the most adaptable fighters. And I, I say this with every fight that he's had, he's taken something from that, learned from it, and took it into the next fight. And he did that for a long time. He sort of stopped, though, and I've said this, this has been my sort of go-to thing. He, he takes everything, for, he, he learns from the fight, from the last fight, takes into the next one, makes him a better fighter, or like a superpower. He takes something yeah. from you and, ta and, yeah, and makes him bigger and better and stronger. But he hasn't probably did done that since ugh, maybe Callum Smith, maybe before. He's just literally recently because it's always worked for him. Brute strength, yeah. Because no, his reputation precedes him, so you know, Invincible. you know, good is, you know, he hits yeah. hard. So you're going in there with a perceived panic, even if no. And so when he hits you, you go, "Oh, there it is. I'm expecting this," and then you're afraid to throw. So and what he what he does quite well what he does not quite well he does poorly Canelo and there's very few things he does poorly no you can no I listen, I thought Canelo now was you gonna, can say it I know yeah I thought Canelo was going to win the fight I thought he was going to win quite easily as well by the way I, I, was I thought he was going to win I was hundred percent I was hundred percent wrong and I don't care if I'm wrong because it, it very rarely happens <laughs> no but but honestly look, I I honestly thought that he, he what Canelo does he beats you up. And then if he doesn't really, if if you if you're defending reasonably well, he walks away, and then goes, comes back again with another assault. Now that's your opportunity to jump on him, but you don't because that's your chance to also escape because he just pummeled you on the ropes even if you are defending quite well. But what Bivol did because of the size and also he didn't panic under pressure. Bivol that was that was the most important factor. When Canelo took a step off, Bivol went at him. 
with long, straight shots. He never closed the gap when he was attacking, but then so when Canelo was taking that rest to take a step back, he just went, I'm, I'm going to come up with you off the ropes. And he worked him back onto the ropes himself. And that was clever. He couldn't have done it without this physical size, but that's just one of the things he had in his, that's just one of his strengths that he had. That You can use that why Canelo got beat, though it was a factor, because Canelo's choices to move up to weights. Funnily enough, you know, like you say, all of that is is spot on. It, it, it absolutely agree with you. But th- there's that old adage in boxing that there's weight divisions for a reason, and there are weight divisions for a reason. Yeah. There are sizes of people for a reason, and you know, um, size and strength uh, and speed means power, and it means being able to absorb things. But also, um, weirdly, the way Bivol fought Canelo, he made him look sluggish, didn't he? Well, yeah, but actually, no. Now all of a sudden you go, well, actually, Canelo dictates the pace always and that and if he can bully well he, and he always can but he wasn't able to here no and and because he met, though, though he actually he was you, a you bully. said it perfectly every time canelo started to look to load um bivol hit him with a quick jab and every time canelo slowed to reset bivol went on the attack and also he, he caught encounters which is which yeah, is when yeah, you know, yeah. if you throw a left hook you block with the right hand and rather than throw a left hook yourself which most people will do you catch the, the left hook with your right hand and then throw the right hand that he just Absolutely. that he just hit off and he also so you, and he also took a lot on the arms and he didn't care did he because he was naturally big and he could absorb it and that's yeah. just what it was no no that's that that was a factor but still can to, you score when you hit the arms? You don't. No, of course you can't. No. No, but people I, were debating I that mean, for Canelo to saying he hit his arms no, a lot. It's, Why it's, didn't... No, it's a tactic to wear somebody down. Exactly. But it's a tactic to get success later on in the fight. So it's like you know making a fight to work hard and giving giving away the early rounds. Like this is a Joe Gallagher sort of technique, which you, you know when you the, the, the trainer of, the Joe box, Gallagher. Yeah, yeah, sorry, the box fighters he has that he's had over the years. He wouldn't <clears> worry too much, but he wouldn't panic about the early rounds. Just make that fight work harder than he wants to work. Yeah. Because you have that great engine that he instills into him, and then your the tactics and the pressure will show by round five, six, seven, eight. So you're talking Callum Smith and, um, yeah, and, Liam, and Liam Smith and, yeah, you know, and, 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 and Quig, Quig and all, and yeah, Crawler, yeah, yeah, and, and it was yeah. massively effective. Yeah. Not always, but most of the time. Mm. So when you're taking the pace, you're in charge of it. But Canelo actually doesn't box at the high pace ever. Mm. Now he probably needs to do up the pace a little bit more to make make people panic, and he just couldn't do it. But the size was a factor. But either way, Bivol would look fantastic, and it was a, it was a fantastic performance because he went, literally didn't go into didn't go into the lion's den. He went into Canelo's front front living room, pretty much. He went into his house. It was fascinating, wasn't it, that Tim Wiseman, um, Dave uh, Moretti, and uh, Steve Weisfeld all scored it identically. First four rounds for Canelo, and then one round of the last eight for Canelo, and the other seven all the way to the end for Bivol. I thought, and 10-10 ten, ten rounds are disgusting, I know. But no, they're in, not. In, no, but the first four rounds, it was four in the morning. I was here. I wasn't yeah. in Vegas. You probably were. And I didn't see it live um, in terms of live in person. I found it really hard to score the first four rounds. Yeah, but really hard to but, score but them. The difference is hard to score. The 10-10 ten, ten rounds are not disgusting. If you can't find a, if you can't find a definite winner... They were so close, those first four no, rounds, but, though, weren't yeah, they? But if, you, if a judge can't find a definite winner, you can't just give it to, oh, give it to him. Because that that will have a massive effect later down in the fight. If if uh, uh, some other ones, if, if rounds are close or no rounds are clear, yeah. so you have to. So if you can give a definite winner, you have to give it a ten ten round. That's why the options there. I would say, but but, but a, the judges all were identical. Well, well, I, How did I would, you have it? I, I, I Bivol was massive. Like, he, yeah, what, he was eight nine, four nine three. Yeah, eight four nine three. Yeah, but yeah. see, we're saying eight four nine three because we're watching it at home. We're watching it. Oh, we're not. Our scorecard has no effect. So we can see. 
8493. They can't say that. They have to they have to make a stand. No, the fact that they all have the same scorecard. I think it's a good thing, isn't it? Good and bad. It's good that obviously they're, they're doing what they're told to do, but the fact that their scorecards meant that if Canelo would have won that last round, I know it would have been a draw. The fight to draw oh, yeah, exactly. makes, oh, I feel I've like been sick in my own mouth. It's disgusting because, like, if Bivol would have got robbed, that, that well, would Did you not see that as a potential outcome? Because this is what happened. Look I, what I, happened. I, I, I never, for me, I this never... was the first live opponent for him. Like, really live opponent, I'm talking now. The chance of him losing since Golovkin in 2017. Was he since he fought Gennady Golovkin in two. This was the toughest challenge since that day. And that fight he lost 7 5 or 8 4. Canelo lost that fight. Yeah. It wasn't a draw. The, the just scoring that night was disgusting. Yeah. 118, 110 to Canelo. Oh, well, that's Adelaide yeah. Bird. Yeah. I mean, and, Dave Moretti. And, and he calls it Andy Adelaide. <laughs> <laughs> but it, well, he must do. He must do because I, I was obviously I was working that night for doing the commentary for the UK TV, and it was it was a, 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 a just a great performance from from Golovkin. I thought, yeah. but but either way, I I do think that there's worry that it, they obviously they 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 score on the fight in the right criteria they needed. But what are they looking for? We need to know this as, as an audience, what what judges are looking for. Then we can decide whether they're doing a, their job right or wrong. I've been saying this for a long time. We should know, The public should be made aware, boxing fans, what the criteria is for scoring a round. But forget all that. Bivol boxed fantastic. He did. He boxed a superstar and be, in, his, in his backyard and beat him. There's a thing that goes on in boxing, and, and we saw it with Josh Taylor um, against Jack Catterall a few months back. There is favouritism, and I think it's psychological. And I think that's what happens with a fighter like Canelo. You, 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 judges are human, and they they read how supernatural this guy is, how invincible he is. And I think as a barrier, I've got to, we're going to have to go to break in a minute, and I want to ask you this. Do you think they'll fight a rematch? Do you think they'll fight it at super middleweight rather than light heavyweight? Or will do you think Canelo will have a break now and fight Golovkin in September and maybe go back to Bivol later? Canelo's got nothing to prove because he's been a great fighter, so he should fight. He should fight Golovkin. It's a great fight that I, he, he wins, I think, as well. But I think he'll want he'll want the Bivol fight. At, at one sixty eight at twelve stone uh, at super middleweight be, rather than light heavyweight. If he's clever, though, yeah. I don't like it. No. Again, it's, it's a lassy taste in your mouth. But if he, if he's clever, he'll make Bivol. Well, why shouldn't he? Bivol's not a giant man. It's not. A no, bad no, thing but, to no, ask. no. But why should Bivol go down? He's going down because Canelo still is the draw financially. And again, it's not. It's, well, uh, if Bivol wins, he, if Bivol fights him, he gets twenty five million dollars, and he also becomes but, the undisputed but, super middleweight champion no, but, as well. But he won't if he has to boil on. I'm a lover of the sport, not yeah. not 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 chasing the money, and that's what that's what it is and, and and the fact that whoever's the king financially dictates the sport the world's like that my friend not my world well next up we spoke to a light heavyweight who fights this week against craig richards in an all british clash which is of vital importance a crossroads fight for both men joshua boatsy 15 and 0 next fight craig richards this saturday night here's what joshua had to tell us There's been a good reception about it, which is good. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's an opponent that people are like, yeah, good opponent, Bretzi, good opponent. Let's see how it how it you know it it folds up. So I'm looking forward to it, Gareth. You know, um, it's, it's a good challenge, and I'm open to challenges. So it'll be a good scrap. And then the other thing about it is, since the weekend, Craig's performance against Bivol is is in more perspective. 
Um, I spoke to Craig about that probably um, a week and a half ago, uh, going into the Bivol Canelo fight. Um, and, you know, he put up a pretty good show against Bivol, um, kind of an early chance for a world title. Um, we know what you can do. We know that we're highly critical of you. It's so incredible. I even <laughs> I find myself being highly critical of you, and yet you haven't put a foot wrong. It's quite interesting, isn't it? We have very high expectations of you. You must feel that from everyone. No, there's high expectations everywhere, Gareth, and there's, and there's pressure, but I've always said that the pressure from the outside is not greater than the one that I put on myself. So I, I, I end up controlling the pressures. And, and I think even in the face of his spider, I was saying that the media stuff, I log out of it. I, I might see what a few are saying, but for what the masses are saying, it's irrelevant, you know? And, and that's how I managed to stay in my own lane, keep my sanity, do, do what I got to do and live my normal life. You know, it's, it's, it's cool, like, it's nice, you know? But yeah, there's, there's, there's expectations everywhere, but keep winning, keep putting my foot at the right places. That's all that matters. Yeah, I mean, for one's own, like you say, sanity or mental health, as they call it, mental well-being these days, you just don't want um, this strain, this, this super highway of, you know, from idiocy to clever views on, on it all. There's, it just doesn't, doesn't do anything, does it, at the end no. of the day? It doesn't do anything, yeah. Oh, man, you've got to stay in your own lane, Gareth, and they say, mm. stay in your own lane, there's no traffic. Why? Because you're yeah. your own <laughs> You just breeze through or you cruise, isn't it? But yeah, man, that is it's a big fight that I'm looking forward to. Um, an important fight, as I as I've said many times now, and uh, we're just over a week away, so we're almost there. Have you got to be busier than you usually are? Have you got to be the best Joshua Boatzi? Have you got to take it to him? I mean, the styles is a very interesting matchup. You're both very languid in the way you fight. Um, you both have gears. You're both big men at 175 and naturally big men who are not boiling down in weight. He might have to boil a little bit more than you, I think, maybe a little bit, but it's so intriguing. That's what's so great about it. And, you know, it, it's just fascinating from a purist perspective. It's a fascinating fight. Yeah, I mean, to, to answer that, you're right. There's, there's so many questions. What style do I come out with? What style does he come out with? Am I going to box? Is he going to box? Yeah. Is he going to fight? And, and I think that's why we all love boxing because we can make all these assumptions, but we never know till the bell goes. But I, as I say, Gareth, whatever style I need to present to win, that's what I'm going to have to do. You know, and, and, and I've covered all kinds of styles, but, you know, I, I know what I have to do to win, you know, and, and I've prepared very hard for it. And, on 21st, that's what we look to do. Well, from one light heavyweight to another light heavyweight, Ben Whitaker, the light heavyweight silver medalist for the Tokyo Olympic Games, joined us this week. And here's what he had to tell me about why he turned pro with Boxer and Sky Sports and why Sugar Hill Steward, yep, the very same Sugar Hill Steward who trains Tyson Fury, will be in his corner. It's been a crazy whirlwind, to be honest. Uh, I think I was a man in demand, and uh, it's a privilege to be in that position. It was humbling to be in that position, but 
I just made the right decision for me and my family. You know, um, the first things first, I got a good lawyer, good accountant, good management team. And uh, we just went with boxer because I just felt like it was the right fit for me. Um, why, why, why and how Sugar Hill Stewart then? I mean, I think it's a great addition. Obviously, the cronk jimp style, the, you know, kill or not be killed, um, the, the explosive hands. Um, presumably, that's to add to your silky skills as a boxer. 100%. You hit the nail on the head there. Everybody knows me as a beautiful hit and not get hit is the game but the entertaining sport they want to see knockouts now and I've always grew up on the crunk style I really love Tommy Hearns Gerald McLennan those type of fighters and uh, I was just doing um, my homework really I was going to different gyms trying different coaches and there was all great coaches but it just wasn't the fit for me and I thought what do I actually need to add to my game I need to add a knockout I need to uh, bring a teacher in, involved and Sugar Hill tick toward those boxes so, so it's a great partnership so we'll probably be seeing you doing a bit of body sparring if Tyson Fury comes back. You'll be, you'll be <laughs> so, in something bit. like that. <laughs> something <laughs> like that. But I'll, I'll tell Sugar to keep his top on as well. He's moving a bit wild with that. <laughs> uh, it's funny. No, but, and come at, it's come at the right time because Tyson Fury, we all believe he'll come back for the fight to fight for the undisputed title. But you can get a lot of care and attention. It's not like you're sharing him. With, uh, with with Tyson Fury at the moment, it's it's not a bad man to share him with because I'm no, sure no. I pick up some knowledge. But like you said, I'm I'm in a really good position where some gyms I went to there's a, few, a bit too many fighters. So would I get that time I needed? Where at the moment I think I'm only with Sugar's fighter now. So what a great position to be in, and he'll give me all his attention and care. So uh, I can't really. He's, he's fell in the right place for me at the right time. And where will that be? Will that be here or will you be over in the States? Where will you train together mainly? Yeah, i got the best of both worlds. So he's based in Miami and Las Vegas. So I wouldn't mind going out there with the sun. But uh, for my first fights, he's coming over to Birmingham. So I'll, I'll take him around. I'm the mayor of Wolverhampton, so I'm sure he'll be looked after fairly. So the, the, the last bits of your amateur career, I loved your comments at the Olympics. Um, it pains me to say it to you because you'll probably have an expression on your face. You won silver. But you said, actually, no, you don't. You lose gold. Uh, like, silver is first, second, basically. 100%, 100%. I think that's a great statement as well. Is that a lot of people wanted me to change what I said, but truthfully, that's how I feel. I'm a winner at heart. And boxers, we go into that ring to win. If you go in there to lose, you're in the wrong sport. So I think that mindset and intent I have, if I keep that with me, I'm sure I'll go far. So do you think you'll always look back on your Olympic career with disappointment then? Um, it's, it's bittersweet, truthfully, if I'm honest, because, of course, you're looking back, Olympic silver medal, it's not it's not bad. If you look at it, Amir Khan's done it, Roy Jones has done it, the list can go on. But for me, just who I am, I always want one better for myself. So it's bittersweet. But that that the Olympic silver has given me this platform. It's given the people who didn't know me, they know me now. So it's one of those. But I'm a winner. So actually, no, I'll do. I'll get some gold spray paint and paint myself and we'll make it a gold medal <laughs> you've got a massive opportunity now obviously yeah i mean the huge fanfare for you turning pro a lot of interest lots of pressure as well maybe there's pressure in all walks of life but as a boxer as a person with the limelight on him you have to rise to that occasion and i'm i'm pretty if you see me in the olympics not many people knew me but i thought this is my my chance to shine i walked to the ring i was dancing to the ring. I, i'm made for that type of scene so I'm excited to go and 
I do like my diamonds. I like my, my diamond watches and things. So pressure makes diamonds. Great division to be in, 175 pounds. Not just globally. Obviously, Bivol with a fantastic performance at the weekend against Canelo Alvarez, Artur Baturbiev, Joe Smith. But then we've got over here, uh, I'm not going to ask you about it in a minute, Joshua Boatsy, Craig Richards, Callum Johnson, Callum Smith, Adan Aziz, I'm forgetting someone here, uh, Anthony Yards, Lyndon Arthur. Obviously, they're going to move you through the ranks quickly and, you, you know, you're not going to be fighting those, those guys within five fights. It's probably going to be more likely 10. But within a year and a half, one or two of those guys are probably going to start being on the resume. You'll want to prove you're the, the king of the lions over yeah, here. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you want to prove that you're the top dog. And like you said, it's what a time to be a light heavyweight. Yeah, uh, I remember... Back in the day, if someone mentioned like heavyweight, it's one of those weights where who's there really? It was Adonis Stevenson used to just run the weight, and it was pretty yeah. boring to me, to be honest. But it's a situation where domestically it's very hard, world level it's very hard, and I'm I'm excited to go in there. It's, Everyone it's has the their thing how they bring you through now. It's because it's you know they yeah. find the right matches. Always, when, when are you going to be out for the first time? All I can do is just make sure I'm working hard in the gym. Yeah. But I'm sure I'm, I'm scheduled for July. I'm sure early July so I'm sure that'll be my first one and active activity is key for me so I want to be out as much as possible hopefully uh five to six fights this year and that's where I'll be learning and the yeah. more my face is out there the more I'm learning the ring walks taking in the crowd it'll only make me more comfortable when I, I do get to the pinnacle of fights so Barry what do you think um about the teaming up with Sugar Hill Stewart what can he do for Ben Whitaker he's a very fluid a yeah. uh, very comfortable boxer. I think he needs to instill some confidence in the kick. He, he clearly lacks confidence. He's, a, <laughs> he's full of him, full of it, isn't he? And, Absolutely and, and full of it. But that's what no, that sort of like no. When he when he won when he won the silver medal and he deemed as losing the gold, didn't he? And and I understand that, and I understand why people didn't weren't happy with his approach about that. I think it was a great thing to say. Well, I'm not quite sure. I'm I'm a bit. 50-50 with it all but what I do say is that he has that winner's mindset that you can you, know, you just can't give people that I mean we all want to be winners but it's different I would I would see that as a massive success I, I would be crying in the ring if I was me when I when I lost the Olympic final but I would be ecstatic an hour later that I got a silver medal mm. and he just didn't and that's a mindset you can teach people No, and that would be such a, a such a, a real plus going forward so I think the Sugar Hill matchup is is interesting because obviously you know he's obviously a fantastic trainer. Because a lot of a lot of good fighters, Andy Lee, you know, just just one of many who who, who praise about him. Mm. But it's a total. <laughs> it'd be interesting what he does with him because it's a total um, style shift. I would feel with those Sugar Hill would want to train him because the crunk really is all off a solid jab. Talk about Thomas Hearns and what they did with him. Remember, well, well, Tom, very Tom, long well, Tom, yeah, welterweight well, to begin had a, with. Had a whipping jab, but no one again. Yeah. He would step. See, to get to step in, you've got to turn that front foot in a little bit yeah. to add the power, which means you don't. You know, you go off the balls of your feet. Well, Tommy Hearns was a, could move, and but he literally had fast hands and whipping shots, but his feet were quite relatively static, relatively. Mm. But 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 Whitaker's arm because he fleety. moves. More, yeah, exactly. Obviously, you you adapt as you become a professional. Because we're all fleety as amateurs. And then that, because that's how you cut three rounds, you have to be quick. But you see the way he is, you know, he, he sort of does that little drunken master thing, doesn't he? With his feet sometimes, with Whitaker, you no, know, you know, he, he has that sort of dancing background, with, so it's unorthodox. So to get him to be structured 
behind a solid jab. If that's what they're going to do, which that's what you would think they do, because that's the Kronk way, then it'd be interesting on how they're going to change him. And and, 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 and and do they do it in small steps? Because, you know, when he went with Fury, Fury changed from when, no, because Sugar Hill's known for Tyson Fury now, from the, from the Wilder fight, from the first fight where Fury was dancing around like we all knew the Fury of old, to the second fight where he went forward like a train beyond a solid cronk jab, we call it the cronk jab now, a solid jab from the cronk style, and dominating bullied Wilder. But he's an experienced boxer who's a maverick. Now, maybe Whitaker will, will prove to be that case, but it'd be interesting to see how they do it this early in his career. So even saying automatically, it's a great, it's a great move getting Sugar Hill on board, and I'm sure it is because he has a wealth of knowledge. But I still think you know if there's going to be a massive change in his style, it's it's a risky move potentially. How, how does how does Whitaker's obviously it'll take two years for him to year and a half, two years for him to get to that stage with Joshua Boatsy and Craig Richards and um, Anthony Yard and Callum Smith and all those other guys at 175 pounds are at, but. Is, is, is it good to have those six, seven names for him to target so he can meet them at the right time as well, you know, in a couple of years' time? They might not be there. That's the truth of it. You know, mm. but, you know mm. the climb of the box, like, it, it changes like overnight, doesn't it? And, they'd be, and they haven't been around for two minutes, them guys. They've been around for a while. And they've been around that level for a while, you know? So you tend to think, how long have they got left? So two, possibly three years, more likely, to be fair, with Whitaker. Though everyone's moved faster than what they should be now. Galal Yafai is a prime example of that. But... It's if they move in quick, you've got to be careful because these are experienced operators. If they do what they should do and take their time with him and promote him and, and no, and literally drag that silver medal wherever you go, because you've got to promote him. He's an Olympic finalist. You've got to promote him to the max mm. and say he's got to be the future. He's a target. And he's say, a target. Say he's be the future of boxing, but you can still match him relatively comfortable and safe and give him the learning fights. That's important now. Give him the learning fights. Not every fight's got to be a walkover, but they've got to be the right fights at the right time. Yeah, and I think he's signed with the right people as well, and because um, he'll get big promotion on Sky Sports, and um, they, they've signed up a group of Olympians, haven't they? Lauren Price, the, go- the women's gold medalist. Yeah, I think uh, she's Car- a- Caris as well, you know, and and, and Caris du- du- Caroline Dubois. It's a great group of fighters, you know. It, oh, it's, a, it's a massive thing, and Sky's still now, and 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 can't see that change for a while. Still the biggest platform to be for boxing, so you have you know, being on there is going to going to really help your development quick. But also with that is the added pressure. And certainly with Boxer being a, new, a relatively new promotional company, is that they're going to want to... They're looking for that flag bearer for their, for their promotion. He might be it, but not yet. Well, from one silver Olympic medalist to a gold medalist, Galal Yafai, fresh off his second victory, but his first fight in America on the undercard of Katie Teller Amanda Serrano, Galal Yafai joined me to speak about what's happening in his life and it might even include a little bit of classical music. Great for me, obviously, getting a win, stoppage win. Um, I remember trying to enjoy it, thinking I can, I need to enjoy this, you know, MSG, New York. Um, but I couldn't enjoy it really. I was just thinking about fighting. I, I didn't care. I didn't care where it was. My brothers were telling me, to MSG, you need to enjoy it. But um, as you know... Um, Fight as you probably interviewed before, he can't really enjoy it. Um, fight week, but I'm glad it's done now and, and I got a win. And yeah, it's a box ticked off. I mean, you absolutely destroyed him. Did you think it all happened a bit too quickly by the time you got out of the ring? Yeah, it was. I expected it to be, to be a tougher fight, you know. Um, he was experienced, he'd been in with the likes of Brian Valoria and 
Rodriguez, um, the bantamweight. Um, so I thought, yeah, he's 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 quite experienced. Um, he's not just gonna fall. Um, but yeah, he, he was easier than I thought, which I was quite glad with. To be fair, did you feel the history of being in that occasion, of being on that occasion, of being being involved in in such a huge event? A little bit. Um, probably not as much as looking back now. At the time, I just try and just block it all out and just think of, I'm in a fight. I've got to win. I need to look good. That's it. I could it could be fighting in my garden. Yeah. I need to win. It could be, it could be a little tournament back in GB in the middle of Serbia. I don't care. I need to win. Um, yeah, exactly. Them words. I just need to win. That's it. Does a tunnel vision come over you at that point then, and you don't really see much outside? And you're just, this is where I, this is my focus. This is where I am. This is what I've got to achieve while I'm here. Rather than, you know, New York, um, skyscrapers, Chrysler building, Empire State building, while yeah. Madison Square Garden history. Is it, is it, are you, do you go into a tunnel vision then? Yeah, definitely. And I think that's my personality as well. Like, yeah. yeah, it's great that I get to box on these massive bills. But I think if I sit there and admire it, I think it's going to only, make me not perform as well um get roared by the occasion um i'm just here to fight and to win um and i can enjoy the the thing, them things afterwards the fact that i fought at madison square garden the fact that i've won olympic games i'm olympic champion these little things i can enjoy after boxing but for now i can't really stay in the moment and enjoy it i've got to just keep going and going and gaining momentum and momentum and just keep winning so I'm looking at this. You fought in February. You fought in April. Um, so June, are you going to be out next? Um, I don't know. I'll probably have a little rest now. Um, people keep telling me you're going to fight again. You know, you only did two rounds. Um, but people don't understand these are camps that are really tough. Um, you know, I've, I've had two 10-round camps. Mm. You know, I'm not doing that for... I know I haven't done 10 rounds, but the camps are really hard and the sparring is really hard. And mentally, it's really hard. Um, so you need a little rest sometimes. Um, and I think that's what I needed now. Um, so hopefully, maybe maybe July, I don't know. We'll, I'll sit down with Rob and the team and sort it out. Tell me about Cal and Gamal. I mean, they were there in New York. I saw them at the weigh-in, I think. I didn't see them on fight night. They've been off the radar for a little while. They haven't, they're not retiring, are they? No, nah, not retiring. Um, they've been in the gym with me, um, training. I think they just saw my dates out um, and things like that. But yeah, you, I don't know if you saw my fight, but you could see Cal in the corner, couldn't you? Cal yeah. was, he was an assistant in the corner. So it was nice to have Cal in the corner and Gamart ringside. Um, you know, they're obviously my brothers have, have been boxing a long time, so they've got a lot of experience. So it's, it's great to have them around. Um, but yeah, their careers aren't over yet. They'll, they'll be fighting soon and I'll be supporting them as well. You boxed with Ben Whitaker. He turned pro this week. How good is he? You'll know him very well. You'll, I'm not that you've sparred with him, but you'll know his boxing skills very well. He's very highly spoken of. What will he bring to the pro game? You know what? Ben's one of the most talented boxers I've ever seen. Like, you know, really? um, up close. He's a good friend of mine. He's, he's he, he, You know what? He's, he's just a great fighter. He's, he's a great boxer. He's naturally very, very gifted. Um, Obviously, brilliant that he's finally signed his contract with Sky. Brilliant platform for him. He's um he looks apart. He's a great boxer. He's at great weight. Um, 
some people like him, some people don't like him. Um, I just happen to be the one of them that do like him. We, you know, he's a great lad. He's not far from me, um, Wolverhampton and Birmingham. Um, and I was on Twitter yesterday, actually. It was a bit annoying, really. I saw a lot of people saying, it was like they were arguing about the Team GB lads. Oh, no, he was the best one to come out. No, he was the one to pick. He was the one to pick. And now Pat McCormack, Fraser, Galau, Ben. And it's a bit annoying, really, because we're all good mates. And it's like um, people playing us up against each other. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, Ben's the best. Yafo's the best. Oh, no, Pat's the best. And I just wanted to just go on there and say, listen, boys, I'm not the best. Um. I'll leave it to these. Um, we're all good mates. As long as we all do well, it doesn't really matter. I'm, I'm trying to be the best in my weight class. And that's hard enough. <laughs> Never mind trying to be the better than Ben Whitaker or Pat McCormack. Well, you've got the gold medal. You're a little bit older than some of the others. I always yeah. forget that you're 29. I think it's great that you're 29, really, because you've got that experience as a man. Yeah. Um, and you're ready for it all. And I think... Of all of them, though, you'll probably challenge for a world title before any of them. I mean, Hearn's saying two years, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, two years. You know what? It could probably be sooner. Um, yeah. Could probably be sooner. Um, but, you know, I can't get carried away too much. You know, yeah. it's... Um, yeah. I, know, I know I can I can mix it with the, the world-level fighters, but it's one thing mixing it with them and it's another thing beating them. Um, but hopefully in the next... Next two years, I can hopefully become a, a world champion. You, you never know, though. I might not become a world champion. It just depends how good I, I, got, I am. Um, I've had two fights already. Hopefully, I can, can continue. I love his counter-punching, aggressive, come-forward southpaw style. Reminds me of all the great boxers we've got at the moment. Vasyl Lomachenko, Errol Spence, Terence Crawford when he switches, um, Alexander Usyk. Um, current champions, Julio Cesar Martinez... Um, Artem Dalakian and Junto Nakatani. Is he going to face any of those guys? Well, he's going to have to, isn't he? If he wants and to Sonny Edwards, of course. Sonny yeah. Edwards. Well, the, the three of those are punchers. Yeah. And one's a magician. Yeah. So it's a really high, it's a really great weight. You see that all the magician the is Sonny Edwards. Sonny Edwards yeah. is the magician. He stands yeah. boxes on their heads, left, right, and centre. But um, I like Yafai. He's a, he is a typical Yafai. Like all his brothers, they're really aggressive. So, they, so obviously, you know, they would walk onto shots. But he looked fantastic in New York. He really did. You no know, ringside, every punch you could hear. It was sound like a middleweight. He, he he's got a big future ahead of him. My worry is they like all the time though, because he's an Olympic gold medalist, and they're, they're going to rush him a little bit too soon. That's the only that's the only caveat there. They, they should pull back a little bit because he's done ten rounds on his debut, which is sort of De La Hoya stuff, isn't it? Really. Well, the stars kept rolling in on the show this week. And next up, I caught up with Shakur Stevenson, who just enjoyed a fantastic victory over Oscar Valdez. And he spoke to us about Roger Gutierrez, but also that he perhaps would fight Joe Cordina if Cordina can beat Ogawa on June the 4th in Cardiff. I think this is one of my best performances. Uh, I liked it the most. Honestly, I felt like my IQ was uh, on a high level and I got to show how good I am. I was so good. I felt like that people don't even understand how good I was. You started to sound like Muhammad Ali, that you put the lights out <laughs> before you... <laughs> if, if, if your very, very harshest critic, okay, would say one thing about that performance, 
was, and I know I pretty much know what your answer is going to be. You probably could have stopped Valdez if you'd really gone for it. That's what your harshest critic would say. Yeah, I, I, I hear y'all, but um, you got to understand Valdez is a, a decorated fighter. He's 30 and 0, um, been in wars, and he's a great fighter. So I'm not going to take nothing away from him. I felt like uh, I did step on the gas at times. It was times where I got to the inside and we got to fighting. I let my hands go. I stood in front of him. I wasn't just moving around and making the fight um, boring or any type of way like that. So um, I I hear people, but I kind of like, um, I kind of just disagree because I just feel like, you know, if it was anybody else on that night, they probably would have got stopped. But I feel like uh, just respect the Valdez. You know, I, I haven't forgotten our conversation about who you, how how and who you can aspire to be uh, in in the sport. Um, do you now go for Roger Gutierrez? Do you um, wait for the winner of Joe Cordina over here in Cardiff and Kenichi Ogawa? Would you come over here and, and fight Cordina and show your British fans your skills that pay the bills? Yes, I would love to do that. I feel like... Uh... Honestly, like they kept talking to me about um, Archie Sharp, and it's like, yeah, such and such Archie Sharp. I'm like, so I, I've been like paying attention, but I know Joe Cordain. I knew him since like the amateurs. Like I know, like I don't know him. Like me and him don't like talk or nothing like that. But I know who he is. Like I always paid attention to him. Like as a boxer, I always seen him fight, all that kind of stuff. So I knew who he was already, and I've been telling people already. I'm like, yo, Cordina, he's the. Uh, best boxer he would be like the best test uh, I would be down for that like I'm that's a big fight to me because honestly I look at skills rather than somebody like Archie Sharp where I don't feel like he's good he's not a good fighter to me he just social media talking and act like he's gonna do a bunch of stuff that he really can't do but with Joe Cardena when I look at him it's like I really see like a real challenge I see a real test in front of me because I, I don't take nothing away from him. He's definitely got the size. Uh, he got the skills, good jab. Uh, I would love to. I think that um, I beat him. Don't get me wrong. I know well, I, I know I beat him. Not, I don't think. I know I beat him, but uh, I, it would be good just to be in front of another skillful fighter who know how to uh, box. And the British audience as well because... Yeah. In front of a British, I, I would love to fight him in front of them. I want him to build his fan base a little bit more. Like just, you know, maybe after the um, fight with the guy after he won the world title, maybe like do a defense or, or like something like that, like where he could build his fan base. Cause I don't know how big he is in England. I feel like a lot of people talk to me about Archie Sharp more than they talk to me about Cordina. And I just feel like he's a way better boxer. I feel like honestly, he should try to fight Archie Sharp just to build up a big fight with, with somebody like me. Who, who do you think you are gonna face next? Do you know yet? Nah, I don't know. I'm hoping it's, uh, um, like you said, Roger Gutierrez. I think that that will be the fight that makes the most sense. I feel like we could go back to my hometown, New Jersey. Uh, I'm the king of 130 right now, so I got the um, leeway where I can do stuff like that. And I feel like yeah. I should be fighting Roger Gutierrez in my hometown. So Shaka Stevenson, he's so bright. He's so on it. Um, and I love the fact that, like you said, if Joe Cordina can beat Kenichi Ogawa on the, was it 4th of June at uh, the Most Point Arena, you fought there, haven't you? It's my, it's my it's home. It's my home. The, the, the exactly. home that Barry built. Not, exactly. Kawasaki. Not Kawasaki. Exactly. <laughs> um, 
and it'll be raucous in there. Joe's loved in Wales, isn't he? Um, and he's just reaching that moment now. If he can beat Kenichi Ogawa, who's a very tough kind of um, Japanese warrior, come forward fighter, very straight punches, got the hooks on him. Joe's a clever fighter in the fact he's coming down a weight. He'll have that bit more power, won't he? Um, and as Shaka said, let's have Joe one more fight. And then he's got a bit of a name for himself, and I'll come over and fight, fight in oh, front of 20,000. How good would that be? It, for, well, for me, for a Welsh boxman, and Cardiff, you forget, because Cardiff hasn't such a. Haven't, uh, Cardiff, if I get my words right, Cardiff haven't had a world champion for 25 years. And the last guy to win a world title from Cardiff. Mr. Jones. Was, was me. 25 years, same weight as Joe, uh, same weight as Joe Cardina, so I think it bodes well for Joe. Plus, he's named Joe. Our, our, our best boxer we ever produced was Joe Carzaghi. And he's big for the weight and he has loads of skill. The only the only thing I say about, about Joe Cordina, the worry, is that they're trying to make him a little bit more of a power puncher. Rightly so, to sell him more, to make him more marketable. But in this fight, he needs to go back to that amateur pedigree, the magic that he had, the beautiful movements. And the be spin, smart. The spinning on a sixpence. Let this guy run at you, make him miss, make him pay. Just win. I agree. Like Stevenson would do. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I yeah. agree. Agar, Agar was a very tough fighter. It, it's a, it's a but hard he, but fight. He, but he's not, he's not complex, is he? No, but you, it, it looks simple. And you so to train for him is easy. But when you get in there, I mean, yeah. to train for him tactically is easy. But to get it right on the night when, when you've got him running at you, hitting you everywhere and hurting you. And also that, 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 Japanese, that Japanese instinctive, just pure aggression. They just don't stop, don't stop, don't stop. The engines of Japanese fighters are better than anything. And he will give it to Joe 120%. He'll be on Joe foot in front of the offset. But Joe has a little bit of magic to his work. And I think, and I, I expect him to win. I agree. I mean, I spoke to Joe for the show, didn't I? It was about a week ago, I think it was, a couple of weeks ago. He's What I found fascinating was he started do his, doing his nutrition right. And he was making, he was weighing in at 132 pounds, like a couple of days before the weigh-in. Now, I don't know whether this is talk, but I, he's very believable on that. I, so it wasn't difficult to get to 130, he said. I, I would say... Boxers are the biggest liars in the world. <laughs> Listen, you have to be to you know to get where you, to get where you, where you where you come from. So they lie about they lie about two things: money and weight. So it's it's a struggle, but it's also a struggle. It should be a struggle. Mate. Joe Carzaghi said, "If you don't if you don't struggle to make the weight, you're in the wrong weight," and that's got to be true. So it's hard for him, but he's making it without without putting himself in any sort of danger, and he's big for the weight. But that won't be that won't be what wins him the fight. Ability, boxing brain, and skills. If he wins, that'll be what wins in the fight. Finally, back to Shaka on this section. <laughs> no, okay. back to Cordina. No, 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 no. But, but finally, <laughs> wouldn't that be amazing to see these two, those two fight in the oh, UK mate. though at the end of the year or early next? It'd be amazing, and it's possible, isn't it? If Shaka hasn't gone up by then, I think he's going to fight Roger Gutierrez next, as he says, yes. to try and clean up the division. I think he will clean up the division because that move up to lightweight for him is stacked with seven amazing fights, isn't it? From Vasil Lomachenko, as I said to him there. I think the most technical fight on earth right now is Shaka Stevenson against Vasil Lomachenko. It's like a physical chess match, even though I favour Shaka to win that handily on points. Handily? Yeah, handily. Against Lomachenko? Yeah, but eight rounds to four. Eight <sighs> rounds to four. It, I, I bigger think, man, naturally. I think, he, well, I think for that, is he a bigger man, naturally? Yeah, yeah he's 5'9". He is 5'9". You know, that, 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 that's 5'9", but I mean, but physically, naturally, because, because Lomachenko's been a... I know he's a featherweight for, for his first Olympic cycle, but he's been a lightweight for a long time yeah. as the amateurs, yeah. which is obviously a, a few pound lighter than the professional weight, but still, he's been comfortable at that weight. Vazel more skilled than Shaka? It's a different skill, but that's what I, it's yeah, a different yeah, skill is, set. Is, what is, I mean yeah. is, you're, you're planning on Lomachenko getting old because yeah, yeah. the older you get, the longer you have a path on fights. 
it's not a friend to you. No, because you've got longer time, your body, get, you, know, you put on weight and, and, you, and, you, and you lose your skills as you get older. The skills start to erode a little bit more and you just can't get that fire back. That's the only reason, that's the only thing I think that Lomachenko would be going underdog for that fight. But you've got to say, Lomachenko with his best is a match for anybody. So, he is. So but, even though, even though he, Stevenson might yeah, beat him, might be yeah, having enough, yeah. to say handily, I, I say if handily, I can reach you, I'd slap you on the head again. Yeah, like, you're too far away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, well, I, I, I say handily... Yeah, I do think Handley. That's my no, opinion. You, I like that, that is that's my the, opinion. The and I'll tell you friend. why. Because he's got fearlessness on his side. That might be the fight where he goes into the trenches. That, for me, is the fight he should have before Tank Davis, if Tank Davis is still around, if he hasn't imploded. But this is this is that Mayweather thing we talked yeah. about, the Mayweather wrestling, exactly. where he has that, that, that belief and that, fearsome, that fearlessness the word that you said that I can't say, that he genuinely believes that no one on the planet can beat him. Yeah. No, don't just think it. He knows it. Yeah. Whether yeah. it's true or not, another yeah, thing. Yeah, but like yeah. no, because Mayweather had that with Diego Corrales. It's different, different sort of setup. But he thought that you no, know, that was a fight that was going to maybe cause him trouble, and he walked it. Final walked one, it. final one. Right, we've got to go to break, um, and we're going to talk MMA next. Final one. Yes. Do we think Shaka is going to be number one pound for pound in a couple of years' time? Oh, It'll yes. be twenty six then. Hundred percent. Yeah, I uh, think he, so. He he is going to carry the the, box, the world boxing on his back for yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. Pernell Whitaker, Floyd Mayweather, Sugar Ray Leonard. Pernell Whitaker, Floyd Mayweather, Shaka Stevenson. There's a lineage, isn't there? I think I might have missed someone out in the middle there, but but the, but the great boxers that we've oh, seen. Oh, oh the, yeah, for, for, for sheer skill. And yes, sheer yes, of skill. Course, yeah. And he, abil- adaptability for so many styles. But, but he has that magic of his sellability, if that's, if that's a, a word. It he, is. He has that. Saleability? Whatever, I don't care. I mean, I've been punching in the head for 25 years. But he has that in him. He hasn't done it yet, but he has that something about him that can and I think will transcend the sport. We'll keep the very best to last this week. I was joined on the show by boxing royalty. Yep, the legendary heavyweight, Larry Holmes, arguably with the best jab in the sport and, of course, one of the all-time greats. Barry and I had a chat about how great he really was. Whenever we talk about the best jab or the greatest heavyweights of all time, you're in the conversation in the top five. Mm-hmm. Your jab is arguably the greatest ever in boxing. You know? It was on time, and that's one of the things that I, w- I wanted to learn. I wanted to learn how to fight. I wanted to learn how to jab. And, you know, I tell these jab guys in here, now, learn your jab. And even, I even try to show them and demonstrate the jab. And uh, they get it when they understand it. And that's what boxing needs. I think it was just before Ali passed away. And you were in a kind of, you were in one of your rumbustious moods. Yeah? Mm. And I asked you about Ali, about him, is he, was he the greatest? And obviously he fought you very late in his career. You didn't want to fight him. As you say, you spent four years around him. He'd been a tutor to you in yeah, some ways. And one thing you. about it, I don't want to do it. I don't ever want to take away from somebody's fame and whatever they did the greatest or they're not the greatest. You know, Ali was one of the one of the greatest fighters of all time that I met. I had the pleasure of meeting. I had the pleasure of eating his food. Yeah. Running on his ground. And I had that pleasure, and then when people say, what about Muhammad Ali? I try my best to explain it, but it's unexplainable because he did so much of everything. 
The day I got you, though, you were in a rumbustious mood. You said the greatest. You said he was the stupidest. <laughs> and you, there was a reason for that, wasn't there? Yeah. You, you, you were you were thinking back to him. Well, you know, use, you using him as a punch bag and him not punching back in some of those sessions. Exactly. You know, you don't you don't go out like that. If you can go out standing on your feet, just like me when I fought Mike Tyson, I shouldn't have came out of retirement. I came out of retirement and I fought Mike Tyson and I lost. He stopped me. And so, therefore, if I'd have kept doing that, I'd be talking you know, like that. So, therefore, you quit while you're ahead. Why did you come back against Mike Tyson? And why do fighters do that? Why are well, they drawn the money, back? The it's money, the money, is it? It's the money, it's mm. the money. If I give you a thousand dollars, maybe not a thousand dollars. If I give you some money right now, you probably take me. Come on, Larry, I will give you a shot. <laughs> I don't think I would with you, Larry, because that jab would pop straight into my face, and I'd probably be lying yeah. on the floor. Yeah, but if I tell you, I ain't gonna hit you that hard. Well, I still don't believe you. <laughs> um, but I might. I, I, I might. I, I know what you mean. You were in an era. Let me take you to that era. An era of extraordinary fighters. When you look back on it, can you believe there were maybe ten of you who are of the quality, perhaps, and I'll, I'll come to it slowly, of, a, of one fighter today, of Tyson Fury, who just dominates everyone. He's head and shoulders above everyone. But there were ten of you at the time, weren't there? Yeah, listen, every, time, every corner of your turn, you know, you, you're going you to get one of them. You're going to get Muhammad Ali. You're going to get Joe Frazier. You're going to get Kenny Norton. You're going to get Ernie Shavers. You're going to get Jerry Cooney. I mean, you've got so George Foreman in there as well. George, George Foreman, Foreman in there. And, and we threw all these guys together. Yeah. And uh, the fighters of the day, I don't knock them. I don't want to knock them. But they couldn't stand up against us. So if you could have fought him, if you could have fought him six years earlier, for example, six, seven years earlier when you were in your reign, do you think it would have been a different fight? And a new heavyweight champion of the world, Larry Holmes. <laughs> That's how you call it. So he's always going to be critical of this era because every great era, and that probably was the Halcyon era, you know, with Holmes, um, with with Ali, Frazier, Foreman. You don't need their surnames. Norton, you know, Shavers. Cooney, it was an incredible era. Like Ron, any of those Ron guys, Lyle, Ron Lyle, Ron Lyle, he was a superstar today, but exactly. back then he was, yeah, of course, it was exactly. an amazing fight. But, but not, not unexpected that Larry says, mm, Wilder, mm, uh, Joshua, mm, um, Fury. I think Fury could have lived in that era, and and I and as he said. He'd like to see more from Joshua. We haven't seen him yet. I know you disagree with that, but I know what he means. I, I don't. I, th I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm a fan of Joshua. I don't. Think, no, so am I. I think we've seen what he what he has. I, I don't think. I don't think you say that we haven't seen the best of him or we haven't seen what he can do. We've seen what he can do. He just needs to get it right in the right order. At the minute, Joshua doesn't know what he. And was that down to his training team in the end? Well, that's down to. They've done the for fight. that fight with Yusuk, I mean, that's what that's the one we're all surprised he, by. Since he got knocked out by Ruiz, his yeah. confidence went to shot, yeah. rightly so, because he ran out of ideas because he hadn't yeah. boxed all his life. Yeah. he didn't know what to do, and that's that's okay. That happens. So they did what they did. What you should do: teach a fighter new skills and and work on your on your on your strengths. So they did they did that. But with doing that, you open the, you open the fighter's mind. He becomes a thinking fighter, mm. which 
is brilliant. And he was naturally enforcer before, yeah, wasn't he? He's being a thinking fighter. It's fantastic. Mm. Except mm. when you miss with a jab, when you're not a thinking fighter, you just keep throwing. If someone says in the corner, go and hit like with Joshua, you go go and hit him with a jab. And all he did was go up there. And he just think I'm going to hit you with this jab, whatever I do. And he and he runs right through you with that jab. But now he's a thinking fighter. He throws a few jabs and misses. And he tells himself, he to type. I'm not doing that again. Yeah. No, he goes, I'm not doing it. And he stops throwing the jab. Or oh, when he gets hit, before Dillian White, say that first fight, the first fight with Dillian White, he gets hurt. He didn't care because all he was thinking about, I got to get, I got to destroy you, I got to destroy you, I got to destroy you. But now he's starting to think, no, now when he gets hurt, you can see him go, oh, I don't want to take another one of those, which is what you want a fighter to do. But by, by opening his mind and making him, trying to make him better all around fighter, They've taken away his magic, mm. that rawness, that yeah. strength. What he, yeah. he, the destroyer he once was, I made him a world champion. Yeah. That's been taken away, but they did the right things, but they've got the wrong result. I'm not a trainer, of course, but this is just my opinion. I think actually, yeah, yeah. you sometimes <laughs> you've got to know what you're dealing with. With someone like Fury, you can always give him new tricks because he can think on his feet because he's boxed since he was a baby, mm. and Joshua hasn't. He's a better athlete but he's not a better natural boxer. So I think that's the reason why I think we've seen what Joshua can do, but he can be better. But I understand, but go back to Larry Holmes, because I've been aggressing all night about different stuff. If go back to Larry Holmes, I understand why, because technically they were better fighters. I feel yeah. sorry for Larry Holmes because he sort of caught two eras. The 70s was the best era of heavyweight boxing. The 90s was the second best, in my opinion. But the 70s was the best. Well, you're talking now with, with Tyson, Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield, Riddick Bowe, like Lennox Lewis. Yeah. Yeah, I, it was I, a great I, I, era. It was a great it, go, era. It, go, it goes on, it goes yeah. on. No, and you, it's an era that Tom, we Tom remember, Morrison, it was but it's an them. era we remember as young men. So yeah, so yeah. we saw them all. Yeah, That's got, what I mean. But we we well, well, we, we very... No, we, but, I was but, a little baby when those guys were fighting in the 70s. Well, so. I, well, well I, was, I was 37. But no, what I mean is... No, but even the 90s, at the time you don't realise how good it is until you look back. And that happens with everything, of course, with in every sport but I tend to think that, that they were the two eras but the 80s even though we had Tyson in the 80s yeah, and the end of the 80s got good but really it was sort of they're the just forgotten, a little bit they're, later they're, yeah. they're the forgotten generation of heavyweights yeah. actually they were decent Burbick and, and, and the like yeah. Bonecrusher Smith yeah. you know, Cal the Cat Williams they were all good yeah. fighters yeah. but they sort of got lost in between two great eras and so Larry sort of caught the, the both of them didn't. Yeah, he was old when he yeah. he was old when he lost to Spinks twice, and he was old when he lost to Mike Tyson. Yeah, and and he would and no, and, and if he would have been boxing uh, five years earlier, he would have been in the running. With... But he went to forty eight and zero oh, as a heavyweight. It's unbelievable. unbelievable, isn't and, it? If he'd and, gone away at 40... and, then, and then got robbed. Let's, let's make yeah. let's make a bonus yeah. because Michael Spink the first fight got absolutely turned over. I think I would say though, if anyone anyone listening, if you want to see Larry Holmes, watch Larry Holmes versus Ken Norton. And if you don't want to watch the whole fight. Just forward, fast forward to the 15th round. The 15th round, and these two giants are toe-to-toe. -to -toe. That's why he looks at this year and says, they weren't as good as us. It's an absolute pleasure to have had a stellar cast on Fight Night this week and to have enjoyed the company of Mr. Barry Jones with me in the studio for a full three hours. You've been listening to the Fight Night podcast. Keep on subscribing. We're live every Saturday night, of course. Enjoy, enjoy the fights, and we'll see you next time. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.